With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, curious minds out there in our ever-expanding radio land. Welcome to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That's me, the only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We are coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network, located in rainy Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and broadcasting all over the world. Synchronicity, spoken here. What is the relationship between mind and brain? Does brain produce consciousness, or does the greater consciousness produce the brain? How do mind and brain interact with each other? I'm a psychiatrist. I study this question in my office. I help people with medications and psychotherapy. I work in both mind and brain. You need your mind to recognize a coincidence and your brain to talk about it. Coincidences are like messages in a bottle. The message can be about you, and the message can be about where the bottle and the message came from, that sea of possibilities. Synchronicity spoken here. The phrase, quote, connecting with coincidence is my coincidence brand. It is the name of my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and my social media sites. To find any and all of them, please put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine. Would you like to know how sensitive to coincidences you are? Take the Weird Coincidence survey on my website. Our guest today is a foremost researcher into reincarnation, life after life, Dr. Jim Tucker. When some people die, nature reacts. At a picnic a woman grieving the loss of her five-day-old child sees a small bird land on her breast. The bird stays there until she shoes it away, symbolizing for her the letting go of the baby. A woman's favorite flower blooms after her death in the dead of winter. Her husband appreciates what she is experiencing, and to her it's a symbol of him with her. On June 12, 2016, there was a massacre in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub. The vigil afterwards, the Orlando vigil outside Dr. 
director Philip Center for the Performing Arts was attended by thousands of people. A bell tolled for each of the 49 victims killed when Omar Mateen opened fire in the Orlando Gay Club. As the names were being read, a photographer snapped a picture of a flock of exactly 49 birds flying overhead. The birds had not been released and were an apparent freak accident occurrence at the vigil which left the crowd stunned. There are many such grief condolences, coincidence, condolence coincidences happening out there. We don't know how they work, but there appears to be some connection between death and nature. The Tibetan Book of the Dead prepares the soul for what happens after the body dies. It's an age-old question which, about what happens when we die, an age-old question which religions have provided answers for but little proof. Our government spends millions on health care and scientific research, but almost nothing on the death transition we will all go through. What do you believe? The Tibetan Book of the Dead suggests that the soul goes through several layers or bardos on the way out. With enough preparation and management of anxiety, there may be a portal out into the next level of being. If not, there is the return to this life in some form. Here's another idea about what happens, a poem by Mary Elizabeth Fry. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on the snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Among the most incredible coincidences we have are the correlations between reports of young children about people who have died and the details of deceased persons. Jim B. Tucker, our guest today, is Bonner Lowry, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Neurobiology here at the University of Virginia. Dr. Tucker obtained his undergraduate degree and medical degree from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He then completed training in psychiatry and child psychiatry at the University of Virginia. After a stint in private practice, he returned to UVA. He has served as medical director of the UVA Child and Family Psychiatry Clinic and is currently director of the Division of Perceptual Studies, where he is continuing the work of Ian Stevenson. He is the author of two books on the topic, and I'll get to that the topic of life after life. And I'll get to more details as I introduce Jim in our next segment. I'll be back after a short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That's me. Our guest today is a colleague and friend of mine, Jim B. Tucker, who is director of the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia, where he is continuing the work of Ian Stevenson on children who report memories of previous lives. These are amazing coincidences that Dr. Tucker is putting together for us. And he's written about them in two books on the topic that together have been translated into 20 language. Life Before Life, A Scientific Investigation of Children's Memories of Previous Lives and Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. Welcome to the show, Jim. Glad to have you on it. Thank you very much, Bernie. It's great to be here. Please tell us how you got in, how first how how Ian Stevenson got into studying uh, children's and their memories of past lives, and then where you picked up on it. Well, Ian um, was quite a successful mainstream psychiatrist, and he came to University of Virginia to UVA uh, to be chairman of the department when he was still in his 30s, and at that point had nearly 70 publications to his credit. Uh, but when he interviewed, he told folks he had an interest in parapsychology, uh, but he had a lot of other interests too, and nobody really seemed to pay a whole lot of attention. But then after that, there was a, a journal that offered a contest for the best uh, paper on the question of life after death, and, and Ian, over the years, had collected reports from various publications, journals, books, magazines, wherever he could find them, of people reporting the memory of a past life. And what he did in that paper was put together 44 of them and and then analyze them as a group. Um, After that paper was published, he started hearing about new cases and eventually got some funding to go investigate them, got more and more intrigued, uh, eventually stepped down as chairman, and then spent the bulk of the next 40 years um, focused not exclusively on these cases, but spending much of his time studying these cases. Um, 
So we now have 2,500 uh, that have been studied. I got involved um, in the late 90s. Uh, uh, Jim, I was before, in be, private, be, yeah. Jim, before you sure. go on with that, I think this Ian Stevenson story is uh, fascinating to me. Um, and I think for our listeners, here's a guy that was very successful academically and had a great and bright academic future ahead of him, but somehow um, was interested in parapsychology uh, as he became uh, uh, chairman. Do you have any idea of where his interest in parapsychology came from? Well, you know, he had always been quite open-minded. Um, his mother apparently was into theosophy, uh. so she had quite a number of books on theosophy, and, and uh, of course he was a voracious reader, so I'm sure he read some of those along with a lot of other things. But he always went where sort of the evidence took him, basically. And mm -hmm. I mean, even back in the late 50s, he was publishing papers in mainstream places saying that this evidence on parapsychology is getting hard to ignore. Uh -huh. um, so uh, then this interest, you know, sort of led naturally into this uh, burgeoning field, finding more and more of these cases. And, and he was intrigued by the question of life after death. And he viewed them, these cases of, of children with past life memories, as potentially um, a new way to study the question of life after death because he said compared to mediumship, studying mediums where you're trying to determine that somebody who's unquestionably dead, trying to determine if they still live. In this case, it was the reverse, whether a, a child who's clearly still alive, who clearly is alive, whether he had died before. Uh, so it was a new avenue to the question, and um, you know, over the years, many people have, have found that, that it's quite an intriguing avenue. Well, very well said. Uh, and the reason to do young children, uh, please elaborate on that, because what happens as people get older? Yeah, so there are a couple of reasons that the benefits of studying young children. The, the main one is just that they are the ones who usually have memories of past lives. And they start at a very early age. Um, the average age when they start talking about a past life is 35 months. So it's usually two or three-year-olds when they start. And then by the time they're six or seven, most of them stop talking about it. Uh, so there's this fairly narrow window to catch them. Um, now, we do occasionally hear from adults who report that they have uh, developed memories of past lives. Um, the advantage of the kids is that we know a two-year-old has not been exposed to uh, a lot of information about history or about people in other locations, uh, whereas with an adult, especially adults who, um, for instance, recall ancient lives that are completely unverifiable, yeah. well, they, they may have details about ancient Rome or whatever, but, you know, over time, a lot of us have been exposed to a lot of material, and we may forget where it even came from. Mm -hmm. And so they may think they are 
memories of a past life, and actually it's, it's information that they uh, learned over the years. I may be in the halfway uh, realm there because when I was a teenager, uh, I began to have what seemed like memories of uh, being on a barbed wire fence uh, with uh, spotlights shining on me and having, mm-hmm. machine, having machine guns uh, kill me, um, put bullets in me while I'm hanging on to that um, that fence and as the years went by um i may have built up the picture and this is where you i can't tell that it was a a nazi concentration camp uh that i was in and i was trying to get out of there or trying to die Mm. really because i didn't want to be there anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that's an it's easy to show how that can be confounded even if i was a teenager Uh, i was born during uh world war ii I'm Jewish, and these are these are memories that could be or could have been around in my family, even though nobody talked about it. But the the great thing about the children is, as you say, they don't have any history. They don't they don't have anybody telling them things. It comes de novo apparently from them, and I think that's what you're discovering. That's right. Uh, I mean, you raise an interesting question, like with your memories, where you know you, you may not even specifically recall people talking about such things, but it might have been in the air around yes. you, where, yes. where yes. you know you would get glimpses of conversations. Yes. So with our cases, even with young children, we try to assess: could they have access to this information through some sort of accidental, natural process? Yes. And yeah, you know, if a child is talking about someone who died in the same village or the same town, well, then you or same family even, you yeah. have to be concerned about that. Uh, when you're talking about, as in some of our cases, uh, a child remembering a life from um, dozens of years ago in another place, well, then that becomes a, a much more unlikely explanation. Yeah, it's, we're looking at probabilities of data, and that's what I do have to do with coincidences. It's, this, to me, is a form of coincidence uh, studies, um, where you get the child talking about something, uh, and then you find correlations someplace else. And uh, studying coincidence is very similar. You get two different things, and you see how similar they are, and then look at the probability of that association. Well, that's right, and... and um some people have said that our cases are, quote, just coincidences, uh, or, I mean, they may put it in fancier terms of prior probabilities or whatever, but basically they mean, yes, just uh, by chance that the child happens to give details that match somebody who died. Um, but in our best cases, I don't think that's a plausible Well, that, I mean, I didn't know that. I suspected that, that it would be called uh, random just or probability or, or yeah. something that, that I get. I get all the time. And, uh, and there is with coincidence studies the need to uh, develop a, a probability estimate for a coincidence. It's part of the definition of a coincidence is the probability degree. And in a, in a way, I don't know how directly you do that, but in a way, uh, you want to have very, very low probability uh, coincidences, uh, and that low probability is a higher indication that there's something to it. Yeah, and you know, not everything of value can be measured precisely. So I, I think if a child is talking about a past life, I don't think there's any way to come up with a precise calculation of how likely it is that the statements match somebody uh, just randomly by by chance. 
Um, no, no, you, there is no precision in this, and I can't yeah. do precisions with, with coincidences either. Um, but I can make kind of intuitive, probabilistic estimates, mm-hmm. and the the more details you get matched, the lower the probability. Yes, exactly. And, you know, some of them pass the smell test. But, you know, you <laughs> look it, at them and say. Yeah, that that is not coincidence. Or, or that may not be the right term to use in this situation, but you look that's not just by chance. Yeah, and it is it's not just coincidence on this cuz we're talking about coincidence on this program. So the people who call it coincidences, how do they just 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 or mere coincidences? How do they justify that? Well, not very well. <laughs> um, but you know, if, if you can't come up with any other explanation, you, you can always say, "Oh, it just happened by accident." <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, how, let's uh, t- tell us how you got involved with uh, picking up on this tremendous work of Ian Stevenson. Well, I was kind of just having a happy mainstream career. Also, I, I was in private practice as a child psychiatrist and living in Charlottesville, where the university is, uh, and not feeling completely fulfilled in my work, when I became intrigued by uh, this work going on here, and I just happened to be reading one of Ian Stevenson's books when my wife and I saw in the local newspaper that his research division had gotten a grant to do a new study on near-death experiences. Hey, wait a minute. I was asking you about coincidences and you and this work, and there's a nice little one. The ad. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, coincidences spoken here. <laughs> it's, that, that's not a bad one. I just happen to be reading it. Okay. I'll, okay. <laughs> yeah, a, you know, it hadn't occurred to me there was a certain synchronicity there. Um, so, you know, I, I just called up the office at my wife's nudging to um, see if they needed help with this new study. And the interesting thing is, well, one of the interesting things is that I actually never ended up helping on that particular study. But that was my foot in the door, and kind of one thing led to another. Yeah, and one one thing did lead to another. Um, And in between, um, you've done a lot of work uh, with some help um, with medical students and uh, other people in trying to put your data together. we're coming. A, we have another minute in this segment um, before we 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 break, and I, I'm just trying to think about what it was like for you when you first started uh, working there. What was the experience for you? And then we'll continue that in the next segment. Well, it was one of um, getting involved with some hesitancy, to be honest. I mean, it was sort of putting my toe in the water and and gradually getting comfortable with approaching things that I wasn't used to approaching and, and, um, you know, occasionally stepping back and thinking, wow, this is some pretty wild stuff I'm I'm looking at here. Um, Uh, Yeah, we're coming to the end. I I find a a nice coincidence in the fact that this volunteer named Jim Tucker, who studies kids, is a child psychiatrist. We'll come back after a brief break. (laughs) 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We are have a guest. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Tucker, MD, the head of the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia and a foremost researcher in reincarnation. Jim, we're talking about your beginning involvement with uh, the Division of Perceptual Studies and Ian Stevenson. Um, and I, I just thought it was a, a lovely uh, connection that you're a child psychiatrist and you and that's who you're talking with is, is kids. So that's a that seems to be a, a, another positive in your involvement with these with uh, this work. Well, absolutely. It certainly works out that I'm quite comfortable with, with families and with kids. Um, and, you know, when I, when I did get involved with this, Ian, I think, was um, hopeful that there could be somebody who could carry on this work at UVA. I and mean, he was nearly 80 when, when I um, called the office on the phone. Oh, really? I didn't and, know. Oh, wow. Um, you know, the, the fact that it turned out this was a child psychiatrist who was uh, interested in, in doing a different kind of work, uh, really, I'm sure, appealed to him. I mean, yes. when I got involved, I wasn't specifically even thinking about these past life cases, but this more just this work in general. I've taken a um, careful approach with it, sort of a scientific attitude toward the question yeah. of, of life yeah. after death. And But then, of course, this is where the, the need was, and, and now it's become essentially my life's work. Yes, and and when I think about coincidences, and I think of Ian Stevenson nearing the end of his life, uh, deeply dedicated to this work, and having a tremendous need for someone to pick it up, uh, Mm -hmm. look who he gets. Uh, uh, The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good, but what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. Who an unassuming kind of guy who's just kind of careful and wants to do do it correctly with a scientific attitude? Who's a child psychiatrist, and the main thing is talking to little kids. And I, I that's the sort of thing I look for, where where a need is met in a surprising way uh, that really works for the person involved. So you you were a godsend for Ian Stevenson, and it fits into the sort of coincidence things that I study. So. So um, I, I look for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me, one time I went to a John Kabat-Zinn workshop, you know, with mindfulness-based stress reduction. 
And he said it at their operation, whenever they needed somebody, uh, that person knocked on the door. Yeah. And, um, you know, after a while you think, all right, well, there seems to be some sort of process here uh, beyond <laughs> this blind lock that, that brings in people when you need them. And beautiful. Uh, and that, that's that's what I'm trying to study, Jim. And that's that, that's yeah. my version of uh, wondering about all this. So you got you got into it um, and you had you have your careful uh, way of approaching things, uh, your scientific uh, way of thinking, your systematic way of thinking. And then it started to just blossom for you into several books uh, translated two books that have been translated into 20 languages um many appearances around the world um talking about it uh, at a, a couple of great tv shows that that one that did a very nice uh, review i think the morning show a morning show the today show i think that did a mm -hmm. great review of what you were doing it was it was really well done i thought and respectful um you tell us what it looks like to you since you began with Ian, uh, the way the world looks at reincarnation. Well, that's an interesting question that the way the world looks at reincarnation. Um, I mean, if you look at, at polling, you find that about 25% of Americans believe in reincarnation. Uh, even 20% of American Christians do. But many of them, it, it's kind of a personal hidden belief. Um, and those numbers have not changed, over, not dramatically or significantly changed over the years. Um, so there's certainly an interest in the topic in, in at least a, a significant minority of people. Um, but it's still a topic that I think feels foreign to a lot of people. You know, as, uh, most of us who grow up in, in Judeo-Christian kind of households, uh, reincarnation is not something, of course, that, that becomes familiar to us. Um, and I, I think as far as sort of getting the word out to the world, there's a certain resistance. And you're right, the, the Today Show and, and then the uh, a variant on the NBC Nightly News, they did a very nice job of, of presenting one of our cases and, and talking some about our work. Uh, and, and there are journalists and, and people making documentaries and everything else that, that are intrigued by this work. Uh, but I also think that, that there still remains significant resistance to it. Uh, there, is, is it more uh, acceptable in uh, England and Australia to think about reincarnation? I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, I ask because coincidences are more um, a topic of interest in those two places from what I have been able to see. And there are other places around the world um, uh, that are may – are there other places around the world that are, are more accepting, interested in what your, in what your work is? Well, it's certainly places with a more general belief in reincarnation. Obviously, people are more open to it. Yes. Um, so um, there are pl plenty of places like that. But, it, you know, surprising, like with my first book, uh, uh, there were a bunch of, of um, additions for Eastern Europe, which I would not have expected. I mean, yeah. you know, Czech yeah. Republic and Poland and Romania and, and various places, wow. um, apparently there is interesting these sorts of, of things there so it it varies and, and of course you never know who's going to be open to it 
Um, so you can have, you know, I'll, we'll get emails to, to from established successful physicians or, or scientists or whatever. Uh, now they may not be telling their colleagues of their interest, but uh, there are plenty of people around who do find it intriguing at the very least. Very good, very good. Let's let's uh, bring our audience uh, through uh, uh, one of your cases and the experience you have in going to visit a family and uh, and putting together uh, the facts with the facts, the facts from the child and the facts yeah. of the past life. Okay, yeah. So uh, the one actually that was on the Today Show is a little boy named Ryan. So we got a letter one day from a mom from Oklahoma. And this was not an email, an actual letter from the, in the U.S. mail, saying that she and her husband were just ordinary folks. She worked in the county clerk's office. Her husband was a police officer. But their little five-year-old for the last year had talked about a past life in Hollywood and would beg and cry practically daily to be taken back home to Hollywood. So... His mom got some books out of the public library about Hollywood to see if, if um, looking at things could could help him process this more. So they now here comes a coincidence. They were looking through one one day and they stop at a picture from an old movie called Night After Night. And Ryan points at one of the guys and says, "Hey, Mama, that's George. We did a picture together." And then points at another one and says. And, Mama, that's me. I found me. Hmm. Well, the first one that he pointed to was George Raft, uh, who, for those of us of a certain age, <laughs> knows that he uh, was became a star mostly in, like, gangster movies. Yeah. This is actually a very early film of his. He was, he was, he was, a, great gang, he was a great gangster, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the other guy he pointed to that he said he had been was an extra with no lines in the movie. Um, so Ryan, yeah. Do you have any idea about why the parents were looking at that book at that time, and that Ryan was hanging around with them, looking at it with them? Well, the mom had—I guess once he started talking about this, she had um, looked up some about past life memories, and she had read that if kids visit the previous place or, or meet the previous people or whatever, that it helps them deal with it and process it and let it go, which is certainly true in our cases. If the child visits the previous place, usually the intensity of uh, the emotional aspect of things will simmer down. So that's why she had gotten those books for specifically for them to look at. Now, she wasn't expecting that he was going to point to a guy in a picture and say that's who he had been in his past <laughs> life. Uh, so even that was a coincidence um, beyond that the yeah, and what, what, what I what I what I look for there is um, intuition uh, guiding a mother trying to help a child, and intuition leading her to a book to a page with the child there without really knowing consciously or cognitively what she was doing. Well, that's right. So, I mean, there are a couple of different ways to look at that event. I mean, one is that had she not done that. Um, it would just be one more unverified case. So the, the you know, this just happened to be the one where um, the kid did see a picture and say, yeah, that's who I was. Wow. Um, wow. But, you know, beyond that, there's the possibility that, like you say, that coincidence, meaning not blind luck, but that okay. there was 
a process involved that, that led her to that book and, and that picture yeah. in some way that's, that's difficult to explain. Yeah. That's, yeah and that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, but yeah. yeah. That, that, and without that, without George Raft, he would be just another kid talking. Um, is that right? Is that what you said? Well, without that picture, sure. I mean, George Raft wasn't so important. No, I mean, the I mean, other I mean, guy that he's metaphorically without the, I yeah, just had yeah. to bring up. Well, that's just, right. Without that picture, there would have been no way to identify who he was talking about. I mean, we see this a lot with the American cases. The kids may give a lot of details, but if they don't give specific names or places, or in this case, point to a picture, there's just no way to verify whether the child is remembering an actual past life or whether there might just be a fantasy involved. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So this is a this picture. I'm just repeating is the was a fulcrum around which a possibility became a reality that this that this was a real case. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's that that's uh, you see why I'm interested in coincidences. It's it's kind of just so. Please continue about what happened after uh, the photograph. Well, uh, at that point, I went and visited the family and um, had a nice talk with with all of them and with Ryan. And then afterwards, um, as we're trying to figure out who this person was, uh, Mom is emailing me sometimes on a daily basis with all the statements that Ryan's made. Wow. Uh, so the fact that it took us a long time to identify the person, which we eventually did, was good in the sense that it allowed us to document what Ryan was saying about his past life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we can be sure that I mean we had the documentation before we were eventually able to figure out who this guy was. That's a that's good. Um, there are, we have uh, uh, another. Uh, we're coming to the end of this segment, and I'm going to want to be able to to know where you think. Um, your work is going perhaps with another with another case, uh, but with 2,500 uh, cases, um, we might go through some of the details of the way you're analyzing them. I think that might be a bit useful. But as I mentioned at the beginning, um, everybody dies, uh, and there's no research uh, that's there's not there's not much funding for research like yours, and there needs to be. Um, and how we get enough um, pressure out there with uh, kind of data that you're putting together to to shape up some some people would be to get some cash would be a good thing to do. So we'll be back to discuss this in our next segment after a brief break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to CC with BB, Synchronicity Spoken Here. And our guest today is Dr. Jim B. Tucker, head of the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia and author of two books on reincarnation translated into 20 languages. We're talking about uh, one of his cases, uh, a boy named Ryan. And uh, Jim, please continue with uh, the story of Ryan and the photograph and what happened afterwards. Yeah, so as we were searching, trying to figure out who this guy was, eventually we were able to do it with the help of a Hollywood archivist. Uh, She went to the library of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, got all the materials on night after night, most of which was on the stars. But as she eventually found a picture that included a caption, there's a picture of this guy Ryan had pointed to, this fellow named Marty Martin. And... um, I was then able to meet with Marty Martin's daughter and then review records we were able to find on him. And eventually we were able to verify that over 50 of Ryan's statements matched Marty Martin's life. Wow. Wow. Including some pretty specific things like, for instance, or Ryan said he had a big house with a swimming pool, which of course is not so specific, but he said that the street address had the word rock or mount in it, and uh, Marty Martin lived on North Roxbury. And Ryan also said one time that he didn't see why God would let you get to 61 and then make you come back again as a baby. (laughs) And... Um, you know, which is sort of interesting from a philosophical standpoint, I guess. But Marty Martin's death certificate said he was only 59. Uh, so it looked like Ryan was off on that, but then his his daughter and his stepson both said, no, he was actually 61, which is what's on his gravestone. So I looked into it, and I found a passenger list, three census records, and two marriage listings that all gave ages that meant Marty Martin was, in fact, 61 when he died and not 59. So even though the death certificate said 59, Ryan was correct when he said 61. I I, I love these details, and it's important for our audience to hear just the painstaking work that you and your people have done in trying to figure out, um, to verify these uh, these connections. So that's are there some other ones that stand out with Ryan, the connections like this, words that he says? Well, yes, in in sort of more general sense. So, for Uh instance, he talked about dancing on stage in New York. Uh, Marty Martin danced on Broadway. Uh, He said he then went to Hollywood and worked in movies, which Marty Martin did mostly working on dancing in movies. Uh, Ryan said how 
He then worked for an agency, and Marty Martin started a successful talent agency. Um, Ryan said how he saw the world from big boats, talked about visiting Paris. Marty Martin and his wife went to Europe on the Queen Mary, and, and then we've got photos of, of them in Paris. Uh, so, uh, again, a lot of details that end up adding up to more of uh, huh, more than 50 statements. Yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing. And what impact... Um, what impact? I'm trying to imagine being uh, Ryan and uh, being uh, Marty Martin's daughter. Um, it just the, what impact it has on these two people to to have such strong evidence of a past life. Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think um, for Ryan, like with a lot of these kids, once we were able to verify all this and he was able to see the old places and actually meet the daughter, um, this all simmered down after that, which, which again, is, is what we usually see. I think partly because it's um, satisfying to see that their memories are confirmed, that they're not just making it up, but also they see that sort of the past is in the past, that people have moved on, that that, that life is no longer there, and uh, then they get more wrapped up in this one. So Ryan now is, is 12, and, and he has uh, he's let all this go, and, and he's doing quite well. He's, he's an honor student and, and um, um, enjoying life, and, and uh, things look good for him. Uh, he still will have the memory of having a memory of past lives verified. Uh, and so maybe when he's older, he can wonder about questions like, why would God made you come back uh, and you've, when you're age 61? About, about, what about the in-between yeah. in between time? He, he's got to wonder sometime in his life uh, just what happened between the death of Marty Martin and the birth of, of Ryan. Well, he talked a little bit about that. So to get to the first part of that, one of our colleagues, Erlander Haraldson, a few years ago, went and interviewed adults who had originally been studied when they were children. Good. good. And some of them did talk about how having had those memories um, influenced their outlook on life, that, yeah. that they had essentially a more spiritual kind of, of outlook. Um, so even though, like, for instance, for Ryan, I mean, it was tough going through it when he was young because he was so distraught about not having that life anymore. But I, I suspect in the long run, he would say that, uh, that it was helpful to him. He was distraught about no longer being Marty Martin? Well, yeah, and, I mean, missing people and, and missing that life and, and wanting to, to go back home to it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and um, again, we hear this all the time. Um, for some of the kids, they don't really understand that that it is even in the past. So they may say to their parents, "You're not really my parents. My parents live in such and such place." Um, and and then again, once they go to that place and they see that that life has moved on, uh, that time has moved on, then then they're able to process it better. 
I, I remember a story a colleague from India told me of uh, a child being born and said, "This is not you are not my parents. This is not my village," and she was able to tell them uh, in the next village where where her parents were, because uh, uh, she had she had died uh, fairly young, and mm-hmm. but still conscious. And they said, "They said if you're really who you say you are, then you know where the money is buried." And she mm-hmm. took them to a place where the money was buried, and that verified it for them. Uh, that... Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we don't have a ton of cases with that clear, you know, finding buried treasure kind of things. But yes, I mean, we, we've got tons of cases where the the children are able to give specifics that that match with the uh, with the previous person. I, it just seems to me that ha- being. Uh, being verified to having been alive somehow in a previous period of time has to influence the way you think about the world. But you've told me they're more spiritual, and uh, Harold went through and talked about them. But I just have to leave that question alone because uh, right now, because I'm just identifying with Ryan and people like him, and in trying to integrate that into my my own experience. But that's that's another question. Uh, in the remaining. F- uh, couple of minutes um why don't you tell us where you think the the, the future of uh, your work and studies of reincarnation are going because i'd love to see uh, it get strong enough for the national institute of health to fund what you're doing and what others could help you do well i think one area will continue to go i hope is um studying strong american cases you know ian stevenson focused on one's in Asia or other places where there's a strong general belief in reincarnation because um, that's where he was finding the cases. Uh, But now, largely through the the help of the Internet, uh, cases find us. Uh So we're we're hearing from more and more American parents. And, um, you know, we've got some strong American cases. If we had 50 as strong as Ryan's, well, then that gets pretty hard to ignore. Yes. so I do think it's important to, you know, even though we've been collecting cases for 50 years, I think it's important to continue to look specifically for strong American cases. Uh, I think beyond that, yeah, you, you alluded to we've got this database. So for each case, we, we code it on 200 variables, put it in a database, and we can then analyze features and patterns uh, in the big picture that you can't see at the level of an individual case. Um, and, and we will, we, we've published some on that, but we will continue to do that. We've, it's taken us many, many years to get all the old cases coded, but we've got over 2,000 of them coded now. And um, I think that will continue to, to bear fruit and, and to show us some, some interesting uh, facts about this phenomenon. Um, as we come to the end uh, of this segment, what are some of the patterns that are emerging from the meta-analysis of all these cases? Well, I mean there are several, and you know, I know I know we're getting close to the end. But one thing we definitely see is that dying violently or dying young seems to make it more likely that a child will later talk about that life. Yes, uh, and those are independent variables that. I mean, people who die violently tend to be younger than people who die naturally. But even if you just look at the natural death cases, those who die young, 
uh, are more likely to have your life recalled later than, than people who die older. So it, you know, that implies that there is, I mean, people use the term unfinished business. I'm not crazy about that, but it, it implies that there is this incomplete life that then uh, seems to continue on in, in a new life, uh, perhaps trying to achieve some of the, the goals that, that were not completed with the, the life that ended prematurely. Very good. And and that brings us back to that wonderful question of Ryan. Why would God send me back when uh, at age when I died at age sixty one? Haven't I done enough on this earth? Why do I have to why do I have to what else do I have to do? Uh how would you answer that for Ryan? Well, I would say, you know, he may have moved to the next grade, but it doesn't mean that he's completed <laughs> school. I mean, you know, we we all have things to learn, and and you hope that to build each life builds on the previous one, and, and that we do make some some progress in in our uh, development. Beautiful ending, beautiful ending. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you very sure, much. Sure, thanks for having me. Welcome. Bye bye. <laughs> 